All right, welcome back to episode 14 of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm your host, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards. I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Max, at, at Cards Max. Max, I'm tired. How are you feeling, dude? I am shot after the national. I had a blast. We are recording this on Tuesday, August, two days after our, the final day on Sunday. And I enjoyed the heck out of the previous five days. Yes, I texted you on, I think, Saturday that I was a shell of a human being. It is now Tuesday, three days after that. I would say I am slowly breaking out of that shell, and I'm close to being back to a normal human being. But, you know, Manning, I so for the listeners back home, we last checked in with Logan. I did a road trip over to Cooperstown, New York for the Baseball Hall of Fame, which was an awesome experience. I had no idea how much of a big event that was having how many so many people coming through Cooperstown, which if you haven't been is a very small town, but just basically like a few blocks of of shops that basically all sell baseball cards, which is fun. Um, Shout out Yastrzemski Sports in Cooperstown, probably the best card shop there. So if you are ever making a trip to Cooperstown, make sure to check out that shop. Uh, From there, I went to Atlantic City for the entire week of the National where I was partially manning the booth for Ludex and partially wandering around making deals, having fun with people. So I haven't been home in about 12 days. I just got back yesterday after driving straight from Atlantic City to Chicago. And uh, I slept for about 14 hours last night. So that shows <laughs> where I'm at. But Max, how how was the national? Give me your uh, quick well, TLDR. First, I'm going to ask, how was Cooperstown? Cooperstown was cool, man. It was a few days. So we got there on Thursday evening and stayed through Sunday. Um, it's basically just kind of like a a baseball fest i don't know i don't know how else to describe it there's just a lot of a lot of people come out there's a lot of different things they got going on there's a lot of things to do in cooperstown in terms of like baseball stuff you can go hit in the batting cages you can go to the shop you can go to the hall of fame obviously the hall of fame had a shocking amount of cards in it which i want to say was just cool there was like a history of baseball card section which i didn't remember there being last time i was there like 14 years ago but um it was cool they had oh, they had cards from every era and like had a lot of different things. Like they had one where it was like a grading breakdown where they had this random base card in a BGS three, a BGS five, a BGS seven, nine, and a black label BGS, which is kind of a random. It was like a two thousand eight masterpiece Reggie Jackson base card. It was super random, but a lot of cool cards there. I saw the coolest. I saw they had on loan from PWCC, which I thought was interesting. The Topps Chrome Sapphire Super Fractive Vlad Jr. rookie card. So that was kind of cool. It's kind of a random thing to see, but um, it was always, it's always cool to be around a bunch of people that are into baseball. Um, as we were manning the LEDX booth, it was cool because we got to really talk to a lot of people who weren't in the hobby, but were interested in the hobby. So that's always something that I love doing, which is like talking to people, getting them excited about collecting possibly. And, you know, maybe, maybe making some new collectors, who knows? Um, so that's always something I was hyped about, which is the complete opposite experience of the national where, you know, a lot of people, you know, you know, everyone's in the cards, you know, the deal. Um, overall, the Cooperstown trip was a blast though, for sure. Definitely recommend making that trip out. If you've ever, if you've never been there. Yeah, it definitely looks like a fun time because I know you had the Lodak show and because that Bender per se from Chicago to Cooperstown to Atlantic city then back to uh, Chicago. I would like to say it was a card bender. I accumulated cards every single day of the trip, basically. I don't think there was a single day where there was no card accumulation. But yeah, it was cool. Uh, but really, Max, 
we're here to talk national. We're here to recap. We're here to debrief. We're here to we have to spill, play. spill we the have beans. Before play, before we get to the national. Now we're going into the punch of it. Yes. Um, um, I took I took two trains. Um, it was going to be four, but I was picked up by one of my good friends at Brandon's Cards. I believe this is at um, one of my yeah at Brandon Barrasane. Or to help ease the commute a little bit, went into my. I mean, I went for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Wednesday was a lot of fun. I don't want to say it was the most fun, but I want to say I was most aggressive on pickups on Wednesday. I saw Tommy, I saw a lot of other friends, and I was on the hunt. I go for the kill. Yes. And shout out to my boy Jake for filming the moment that. The podcast has been waiting for for years. The meeting of us at the National, we got a link up finally in person, which was great. Um, captured on film from my homie Jake. So make sure to check out that video on my Twitter if you want a heartwarming moment to check out. But Max, yes. And I would agree with you. I actually made a lot of pickups on Tuesday of the National, which is not even technically a day of the National, but I was going around to everyone who set up first. So... The deal with the National and how it's set up for the people that weren't there is basically you have a gigantic room. You have dealers all over the place, pretty scattered. But in the center, you have all on a big carpet, probably the size of a football field. There is all the corporate setup. So you got Panini Tops, you know, all the grading companies, a bunch of other like group sub submissions and also like some auction houses and stuff. Uh, so that's in the center. A lot of crazy, over-the-top, extravagant, marketing things in the middle there you had a giant cube that was like a stranger things zero cube zero cool cube thing that kept blasting music the tops carpet is like the kitschiest carpet so you walk around all day you go in there and you feel good um but then on the other side of there you got all the you got all the you got a bunch of dealers um and then you have the autograph pavilion on the other side and then going turning around you go past the corporate area then it's more dealers then it's this break pavilion which i think was the first time they did that this year and that was basically just all these breakers giving away free stuff. Uh, there's a lot of lot of just free t-shirts and stuff over there. I know there's some free breaks. I got entered, in, entered into a free break, which was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's kind of the setup lay of the land for people. So when I got to the National, I got there early because I was setting up with LEDX. And I got to go around everyone who was setting up first, which was really fun to do because there was no one there. And I could just run around and do whatever. But the next day, you know, the, the crowd starts coming in. Wednesday is kind of the day to make deals, in my opinion, because there's people. Friday, Saturday are just, it's really packed. You know, it's like every booth, there's someone standing next to each case. You can't really go diving in too many bins. Um, and if you do, you, you kind of have people around you and it's not as fun. But Max, do you have any, any uh, thoughts? Because this is the biggest card show you've been to by far, right? The Nationals here been to the Lodex show in Chicago, the Dallas Card Show in Dallas, or any of the other big multi-day shows that lots of people that do cars full-time travel to, but I'm not a card full-time doer. This was everything that I could imagine it to be, except for a place with strong Wi-Fi. Um, I knew that it was going to be 460,000 square feet and enough to blow any expectations. And I enjoyed every bit of it. I believe I went to every table, or I feel like I thought I did. I made a consolidated effort to, and it felt 
never ending you would lose people in the crowds which is something i would have never thought for a card show and i it just makes me hungry and more enthusiastic for more cards yes i think anyone who was at the national can just feel the energy there of how exciting it is that there's so many people there and it's always fun to just get a quick glance of like the entire market I mean, the fact that you said you went to every single table is insane to me. Um, I was there for five days. I don't even know if I went to every single table. But, I mean, I think the amount of cards in that building is pretty endless. There's endless things to look at. I think this year what was something that I was a little bummed out about was the lack of kind of bargain bins. I think people, because space was at a premium for dealers, they mainly had out their big showcases with their nicer stuff. So as someone who likes to dig in like 5 to $20 bins, there were some. Obviously, there's definitely some plenty of opportunities to make those sorts of box digging deals but compared to last year's when i was at the chicago one there definitely was a noticeable lack of those types of boxes and a lot of i mean everyone knows this but like the amount of quarterback cards rookie cards that are in people's showcases is insane and as someone who doesn't collect football it's just kind of like it's kind of over it's a little uh desensitizing to me i'm like man there are thousands of sticker autographs of these qbs that are coming out that's kind of one of my main takeaways but uh, Max died very quickly, in my opinion, to the point where I didn't even start actively looking them, looking at them outside of the first or second day. I found some cool pickups on the first day. I'm not going to say value boxes were dead the entire show or even on the later days because that would be inaccurate. I just didn't spend a proportional amount of time looking at them. Uh, there is definitely some gold, especially if you are a digger through value boxes but i feel like it would have been most appropriate to go to your local show is disheartening to say go to your local show and try to dig up the less sought through and already value boxes on day four or five and to expect that from the nash because there are so 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 many people that have already gone through value boxes they were picked through pretty quickly yeah that's why i kind of went after it on tuesday wednesday i picked up a bunch of stuff I posted all my stuff on TV sports cards. So make sure to check out my Instagram if you want to see all the cards I picked up. I'm not going to list them all off because I probably bought yeah. 50 100 cards. I did clear out one value box, though. That was about 500, a set of 500 Manny Machado rookie cards or second-year cards. I got them for what I thought was a good deal. I got them at something $0.30, cents, $0.50 cents a card, something like that. And it gave me a lot of room to play with, both for eBaying and otherwise. But I did kind of clean out that one little department. Yes, and shout out Manny Machado. He's the new, he's another piece of this crazy Padres lineup that apparently is going to start happening with Juan Soto. So, you know, we're not a sports breaking news podcast, but that's kind of interesting for the hobby to see. He picked up a cool Soto Gold Cup, which I'm jealous of as well. Um, I'd say my strategy with the card show, I mean, at being at the Letics booth, it was just a lot of, you know, I was definitely talking to a lot of people, just kind of like, you know, pitching them what we we're doing and uh it was cool to see the the amount of interest that we got from like big companies at, at the show and everything but um i mean that was really there for the people i want to give some shout outs to some homies uh ryan playboy cards a previous guest on the podcast was a staple of the show i saw him walking around he was making deals until three in the morning pretty much every day so in terms of the guy that grinds the hardest other than you max shout out ryan that dude pushes cards he also sold a card to ludic co brian ludden which i was happy to make the connection on so that was cool for me um saw logan you know brandon obviously chris um so many homies i mean we met rbt collection shout out him uh ryan good shout, out RBT. shout out harris shout out harris. 
We got to have Harris on at some point. The man is a bargain bin fiend. He picked up some of the coolest $1 cards that I saw of the trip. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just overall, I'd say Atlantic City, absolute dump. Absolute yes. dump. I mean, Harris, someone Harris who, at v 98 underscore cards on Twitter. Yes, follow Harris for sure. But um, I really want to emphasize as much as possible how terrible the town Atlantic City was to host. Um, could not have been a worse place. I think that definitely impacted the amount of people that wanted to come out, impacted the types of dealers that you had there, and impacted pretty much the whole experience. Um, in Chicago, I know in Rosemont, it's not exactly the most walkable area, but in terms of hotels being walking distance and just hotels general what do you say sorry connected as yeah well. Don't even hotels are connected um, your your wi-fi is kind of breaking up max so i'm gonna keep doing a little monologue in atlantic city here and just in my experience we stayed at an airbnb about 10 minutes away and usually i'm someone who walks everywhere there is no way i was walking to back to my airbnb at night with all the cards in my backpack um just felt like a town that Used to, it was just a shell of its former self. I mean, I can't speak to previous Atlantic City experiences, but most people that had been to a lot of nationals were like, dang, like we knew Atlantic City had taken a downfall, but you know, we haven't been here in five, 10 years. This is, this is pretty tough. So I'm hoping that, you know, we can start mixing in some more fun cities. Um, there's definitely plenty of more cities that are better fit to host a convention like the national. And I think that definitely impacted the amount of like celebrities that you saw walking around. We didn't, there wasn't really too many big names that were there. And I think that where the hobby's at and where it's growing, I think this is the national is the perfect event to be like, oh, Giannis was there, you know, people that collect cards, you know, um, other athletes that are into cards like Josh Donaldson, you know, other baseball players, even Mike Trout could have been cool, I guess, but definitely was no one like that walking around Atlantic City, like, and really the the majority of dealers, I felt like were frustrated with the Wi-Fi, like you said earlier, um, and kind of didn't feel like it felt like a lot of them were pricing their stuff high in terms of the quarterback flipping market, which made sense because, you know, they probably bought it high and now we're trying to get as much out of it as possible. But as someone who's into buying, you know, like 50 to a hundred dollar cards, I always try to go to these guys that have these really nice cards, but do have a few cards that are raw in my range. And usually those are the guys that are down to make really good deals on that stuff because they've got it in bulk and, you know, probably flip some other cards to make deals. So, I know one card I got that was I was really hyped about was the Jay-Z Refractor Tops Chrome, which had a guy that had a lot of high-end stuff, and he had this raw Jay-Z, and I got it for a pretty good deal at 150 I thought. So I was hyped about that. But on Sunday, Max, we were walking around. We walked around pretty much every day, at least for a little bit. It's hard to stick together, but on Sunday, there's a lot of dealers that pack up early at the National. And we saw an empty table, and Max, you want to tell us what went down when we saw the empty table? I live in the moment. If I see an empty table and they are ready to go, then I'm ready to set up my shop, take every card out of my backpack that was meant to be on a table, and we will deal with some customers. I had my experience really acting like a dealer, buying cards were otherwise meant to cash other people out at a certain percentage of eBay comps. That was fun. Um, I definitely, I don't, I don't really set up at shows. Maybe that's what I want to do more proactively, but that was just a chip in the chocolate chip cookie of what was the national. It's a little fun little bit that I did. I strongly enjoyed the trade nights, most of which were hollies. I enjoyed meeting a bunch of friends and jumping on the pitfalls of Atlantic City. It's not just, oh, prime or that this city's a bad city. There's a bunch of bad cities. It was to the extent where you it would be dangerous to walk at night, both in a group or independently, down two or three blocks. 
we were working in a convention center that had terrible, I mean, look, obviously this is a convention center problem, not the city problem, but had terrible spotty Wi-Fi when we're having hundreds of thousands, if not maybe millions of dollars transacted in this convention center. And there is not consistent Wi-Fi to look up market data. And if you didn't want it, you had to pay $80 per day. I know some dealers ended up doing this. Many did not, but it really killed momentum in a lot of deals and a lot of transacting. And even when meeting new people, trying to add their socials, trying to get connected, I would not be able to load Instagram. And that was, I'd write it in my notes pa- in my notes app in order to add and connect to people later. But it's something that is just given the gift that the national is giving to Atlantic City, it was something that wasn't capitalized on. Yeah, and I totally agree with everything you just said. I think something I want to talk about just because something that's like a really unique part of the national experience is the trade nights. And I think something that's really kind of fun about them is that they're pretty spontaneous, shockingly spontaneous for, you know, there's obviously Card Collector 2's one trade night, which is always fun and like a little bit more organized and more structured. But um, the hotel and spontaneous gatherings, I kind of want to get your thoughts on a little more. Have you ever, do you want to just give people a little bit of like a window into what your world was? Cause I didn't get to spend too much time at the trade nights, unfortunately, but um, I know you were spending late nights there. So you want to tell people a little bit more about like what the, what the room setup looks like, what the, your interactions are with people and kind of like how many, what type of deals we got made. I, in terms of the trade nights that were consistently at Bali's, I, find that it's just indicative of people being hungry for deals and wanting to work after hours and people who are putting non you know put a not insignificant amount of money into cards and want to transact more they don't really want to transact with dealers that are only buying at 70 percent um i want to say there's a main kind of hallway like room outside of the bali's arcade for children although i do like to play arcade games centered for a lot of people just sat on carpet, opened their briefcase, took out their cards, and had people walk by in order to wheel and deal. There were some people in an earlier room sitting at a bar, not you know, had a kind of setup, putting their cards on the table with people just being easily able to walk by, see collections, and make deals. That was a big chapter of really the show. I know there was one individual who I met would say that he would stay up until the last waking minute of Bali's having any activity and then would sleep until maybe 1 or 2 p.m. for the show when but for some people and that individual you know that comes to mind the trade nights were important were more important from a transacting standpoint and from a social standpoint than the show itself yeah that's like something that i feel like people wouldn't expect is that I think I personally think that there's more deals done, at least quantity wise, at the trade nights during the national than the actual show itself. Like obviously people are buying and selling constantly at the show, but you know, there's still a lot of corporate stuff going on, you know, the break area. There's a significant portion of the national, the actual convention, that is just not card trans- transaction related, where it's just like entertainment, just like companies trying to brand themselves, um, spread the word about stuff, get a bunch of free t shirts, um, that sort of stuff. So the trade nights are honestly more of like a normal card show environment and something that I was thinking like how those things could be replicated. I'm, it's hard for me to see how that could be more structured, but I think they're fun. Like they're just a cool thing. It's just like, it just gets me fired up about the hobby to know how many people are willing to stay up to like 3am trading cards in a hotel lobby when 
you know, they're out walking the floor. Dealer tables are getting more expensive every year. So it's just going to lead to more and more fun trade nights, I think, because that's where the people are. And that's where people are a little more willing to make deals. They didn't, they don't have $2,000 cover over their tables that they got to cover in profit from the week to pay for their dealer table. They can, you know, everyone had their own travel expenses, but you know, you're a little more willing to make deals when you're not worried about paying off the table and, you know, worried about a bunch of other things. I, to hit on the Wi-Fi thing again in the convention center, I talked to one dealer who said he lost over five figures in money and deals because of the lack of Wi-Fi. So in terms of how the Wi-Fi situation, how the whole convention center and city kind of failed the convention, I think that's just, just disappointing to hear because you want more deals to go down. You want these dealers to be, you know, I talked to a lot of dealers about where they're coming from. They come a long distance. They bring all their heat, you know, the amount of, I think walking around there is a great snapshot of the, the whole market. Um, it's something that you can't really get anywhere else. Do you have any thoughts on like what you, in a general sense, a very general sense, what you saw and what like your takeaways were from that? From the bad Wi-Fi? No, no, no. I'm talking like strictly cards that you saw in showcases, like showcase cards, like what you saw versus what you were expecting versus like anything okay. that surprised you. I was expecting the saying to be true of if there is a rare card and it exists, then it will be at the national, which is breaks my heart to say that wasn't entirely accurate. I definitely picked up some rare cards and some cards I thought that were unique, but that I noticed that really rare cards, and I know I'm saying this kind of blatantly, but one of my biggest pickups from the show, for instance, was Bryce Harper's 2012 short printed rookie card that was autographed. There is the base version, which has about 300 copies in the PSA pop report, and the autograph has about 37. Granted, there are many copies in both graded by BGS. And although I was able to pick up an auto, which I was thrilled and I very much recognize and value that card from a historic, from a baseball card history standpoint. It's not like there was any not autos that were on the show floor. I know some people said that they saw, I, I own an E-Tops Mike Trout rookie card. Some people say they saw one or two guys. I didn't see a single one. But on the other hand, they I feel like every showcase had a Mike Trout US 175 rookie card. I could count at least five gold Mike Trout US 175 rookie cards that are numbered out of 2018. Countless Juan Soto Bowman Chrome autographs and Acuna, Acuna Bowman Chrome autographs. One of the biggest takeaways was that not only does not every single rare card necessarily going to be at the national or in practical sense, every rare card is going to be at the national because of course you can't expect every card, but that if it's non-serial numbered, it's not that it doesn't exist. It's just that a whale holds for you. Yeah, I think... As someone, I, I'm going to use just use myself as an example of like a collector. Like I collect Clay Thompson cards, and like if you collect someone who's not a name brand name star, like like I do, like I found a few super rare, sick ones that I was happy about. Like you saw, like I got that 14 three point record setting out of 10 gold, which was just randomly in someone's case. But if you're if you're looking for stuff like that, you're going to be able to find it in certain areas like there was a couple of setups that had these pretty cool like five dollar bins of like sorted by team for all sports so like that sort of thing if you're a team collector was really fun to go through um but yeah you just it's mainly stars it's mainly vintage a lot of vintage baseball if you have any sort of vintage ex like interest like you can find whatever card you want like i found that 1955 tops all-american auto gram card which i've been looking for for a long time i found one at a psa 65 for a good deal i got it for 180 which is 
you know, below comps, but also it was a card that doesn't really pop up that much on eBay. So I was happy about that. Um, but yeah, I think I talked to one guy who's from Wisconsin who said he set up at every single national for the last 40 years. And he had not any of the heat that all these modern guys had, but I love talking to him, hearing his experiences. He, he gets the second choice for table every year. So shout out Tom from Wisconsin, absolute baller. Um, I bought some 2007 Topps basketball packs from him, but I got nothing in, but that was fun. Uh, I think in it to win it and it to win it. Um, but yeah, I think something about the nationals that it's just, it's just a lot, man. There's a lot. It's just a lot of stimulus. It's a lot of meeting people, especially like, I don't know, for me, it was tough. Cause I had, to, I had to work a lot of it and I couldn't like meet up with as many people as I wanted to, which was a bummer, but it's just a lot of energy, man, putting into like going around the show. It's stimulus 24 seven. I walked out of that convention center dead tired every single day. Um, I don't know about you, Max, but I love the national. I think two days is a good amount of time to be there. If you're really trying to make a lot of deals for the full week to like really grind, I think you can make a lot of money, but I don't know. One day is not enough. I don't think, but two days I think is the right amount of time. What do you think? Um, I could have hung them up after day four. Day five was kind of optional. Everyone was ready to go home. People were, were packing up and you've already seen, or at least maybe not you, but at least I felt I, I saw every showcase at least two or three times at that point and that my ability to make deals was minimized. But I I will consume cardboard. Cardboard isn't my life, but it's one of my favorite interests. And if I'm in the epicenter of that of the world, I will devour any piece of cardboard I see. From a deal-making standpoint, I think you have to – some a question that I reflect upon myself at every single show I go to when I'm about to leave is, okay, I've walked through the floor. Is Have I gotten every single possible good deal that is in my power to make or with my knowledge or expertise to make? And when that answer is yes, I usually head home. But sometimes that's after an hour or two, sometimes sooner, sometimes later. But at the national, even at day five, that question was not really ever fully satisfied, which is just testament to the amount of cards in that area. Yeah, you, yeah you're, there is no walking out feeling like you really have seen everything at the national like i get for myself like i felt like i had seen most things but i was walking out going like damn i hope i didn't miss something sick that i could have picked up for the pc day five is when the fatigue set in and where it's i felt that i have had enough um uh i know something that i used to think everyone was a wimp for saying that leg soreness and that wear comfy shoes and all this advice about the physical fatigue, maybe I'm just, you know, very fit and handsome, but I didn't feel that too much. Um, I definitely felt it, but I didn't feel it to a crippling extent. But that was definitely one of the bigger things that even though it's, you know, some people are saying, oh, yeah, I'm checking my Apple Health um, phone you know, metrics and that it's eight miles each of the three or four days when it's just the entire convention center. But it definitely hits you mentally, physically, for sleep deprivation, and in a lot of different ways. Um, yeah. I, Shout out to the convention center for one thing, which is they had a lot of seating, which I thought was cool. Um, there was like a, there was one full room that I don't think they, people knew about because it was empty most of the time. But there was an entire room of empty tables. And I was kind of surprised that no one set up shop there. Like I like I kind of thought some more like go-getters like yourself would maybe just kind of go over there and start setting up shop because I don't think people knew the room existed. It was kind of tucked in the corner, but that was kind of fun to see. And 
it was good to see that there was more seating options because honestly like it's a long day and i know you're you're a fit young man but i was tired man my legs are i had to do a lot of stretching yesterday when i got back but um it was just fun to see the energy i think a lot of people if you're on social media a lot you can get caught up in a lot of negative stuff a lot of like oh you see backyard breaks pulled another triple logo man or whatever sort of nonsense it's like you go to a national you're immediately overwhelmed with a sense of community and like a sense of wow this place this is big mark this is big the hobby is bigger than you know whatever is viral on each day on social media it's there's a lot of passionate people that are doing a lot of cool stuff and especially for people our age max younger people it's like cool to see these guys doing stuff that is inspiring honestly like people are making their livings and like doing really cool stuff and you can do it at whatever age in the hobby it's not as long as you know you give everyone respect and show that you care about cars and want the hobby to grow and aren't selfish to to too much of an extent you're you know you're going to be welcome in and um i i just was i just love to see it man i went to a trade night on friday night which was kind of unique i went to an f1 only trade night i went with our homie kimball shadow kimball he was on a previous episode of the podcast um it was actually in an art gallery and there was maybe 75 people there. There was a bar. There was a DJ. It was a really cool vibe. And although I'm not an F1 collector myself, uh, it was cool to see something new and kind of unique set up. And there, one guy gave a speech during the during the trade night where he was talking about how how much the community has grown for F1 and how much he appreciated people coming out. And it was just cool to see how much the hobby. Like obviously, between me and you, we we talk all the time. We know how much the hobby means to us. And like how much the people we meet impacts our lives, but it's cool to really get together and meet a ton of people at once. You can never talk to like, it's really easy to make plans with people at the national. It's really hard to find them once you're there, but to the, all the people that like came by my, came by the Letx booth to say what's up. And like, got, I got to walk around with for any amount of time. It was, it was just a blast, man. And I, I can't wait for next year. Yeah, I absolutely can't wait till next year. I can't wait for more shows. It's really made a load of me to where I want to go to more shows, see some, see people that I know regularly, although obviously not to the national's extent, um, make more deals, which is really secondary to me at the context of number one thing, the friends online, my friends in New York or dealers in New York, lots of people in North Carolina that I haven't seen in months for me and was recognized and i recognized them and really everyone who you know in cards that would you know aside from people actively not going to the national is going to be at the national so it was very heartwarming to see everyone that i knew some i haven't rekindled with in months all over a shared love of cardboards and collectibles yes exactly it was la la weekend in chicago here last weekend and i was not here luckily but if that's the, this is la la of cards and it is you know yeah, it, it's like I, I at the beginning of the week i was like dang this feels like the beginning of camp like a summer camp that you're hyped about and it's really what it is and you know not everyone that's another reason why i hated the atlantic city option it's just so fucking hard to get to man if you're from the west coast like i have a lot of homies out on the west coast who would have loved to have been there but it's just it's so taxing to get out there and the amount of money you would have to spend to get there doesn't really justify it cards most direct flights only went to Philadelphia and either by train or whatever other $200 Uber. I had a, one of my roommates took a $200 Uber from Atlantic City to Philadelphia. 
it really just adds to the logistics and makes it less worth it. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm worried that the national might become more corporatized as the, as the years go on and it's going to turn into more of like a fanatics fest versus an actual card show. So that's why I think the trade nights going forward are going to be more of like a card show, like a traditional card show. And then the, the convention itself is going to be a little more of like an experiential thing. Um, there are definitely a lot of ways. Can you tell Max, tell us Max about like the few of the ways that you can take advantage of your time there to make some money? I know there's a few free things that were given out that I know you're hyped about flipping online. Can you tell the people maybe some ways that you're going to make money off the experience that you didn't really have to pay too much for other than like your ticket and your travel bus? You can fill in the blanks for me because I didn't maximize as much as, as much as I did the times at the card tables and blackjack tables. But um, eBay was giving out free swag. They had a collaboration with DJ Ski, which they also did during last year's Chicago National. Um, he has serial numbered cards out of 2,000 or so. He has a few of them. Each little eBay bag came with one of those cards, an eBay $10 gift card. I want to say 10 or 20 card savers. And that's enough to get you rolling. I mean, that's more card savers than I had walking into the National that I love using for PWE shipping and for grading. Uh, a lot of people, maybe I will definitely reserve this for another episode, but I believe that card savers have so much more practical use than car- than uploaders and that they should be more appreciated in the hobby. I respect that. Uh, yeah, shout out those eBay bags. There's the $10 gift card and the card that you could get. They can, it's worth like 20, 30 bucks. So if you went every day and you went to eBay and you got those, you could even sometimes grab a couple if you're being a little sneaky. Uh, you can make a few, you can make a hundred bucks at least in terms of value on free stuff. I know I walked through the Breaker Pavilion. I got entered into a free break for Origins NBA, and I got the Raptors. So I was like, oh, shit, am I about to get a Scotty Barnes RPA? And obviously, I didn't hit anything, but that was kind of fun. If you really take advantage of that sort of stuff, I got like five T-shirts. I'm set on T-shirts for a while now. Um, It's just kind of fun to come home with a bunch of swag and remember the trip by. Um, But Max, we're going to be talking about the National and this experience the rest of the year. Um, I'm I'm tired. I'm not going to... I'm not going to keep going. I'm not going to just keep talking about it because I want to save some of the fun stories that we have for future episodes when we have future guests on, especially too. Um, but is there anything, any takeaways from the national that you want to, you want to bless the ears of our listeners with before we, we shut it down for the day? My thought, I'll, I'll give you my thought before uh, you, you do anything. Does that sound good? Yeah. Um, my one thought going out of it is just modern. There's a lot of different modern products and there's a lot of different stuff out there now. And there's a lot of product. I want to just emphasize a lot of product. Um, I know we talk about it a lot, but like Panini throwing new products in there, print it, the print runs going up every year. Um, collect, collect cool stuff, but you know, check, check, stuff you're you're into and buying is rare um i i left there having a strong motivation to buy more 2000 to 2015 rare cards because honestly that's the stuff i didn't see i went through one the best box i went through the whole trip was this one box of this guy who collects basketball and he collected it heavy during like the tops era of 2000s and early 2010s of the panini transition and he had a lot of cool rare refractors kind of younger panini stuff and that was the most fun i had all week was going through that box and there was not much stuff like that um so 
collects cool stuff and when stuff doesn't appear on ebay too often and you don't see it at card shows take that as a sign that it's rare um vintage stuff is really popular i was shocked by that i mean i was i, I didn't really look at it too much last year but there's a lot of vintage cards out there but there's a lot of people buying vintage cards and they're not making more of them there are they are going to keep making more triple logo man they are going to keep making you know all the nonsense that is getting produced these days but the stuff that they aren't producing anymore, they aren't producing anymore. So buy that. And I don't know. I, I always walk by blowout cards table where they're like doing all their sealed wax. And I'm just like, damn, there are a lot of blasters and hangers and random boxes out there. And it really lowers my desire to rip stuff. And I do love ripping. I know you don't love ripping, but like ripping's fun. But I always leave the national. I'm like, damn, I am never ripping another box ever again. <laughs> Um, my biggest takeaway or thing that I'm going to bless the ears with is that I had so much fun negotiating, being a little hardball, a cornball, but a hardball, um, exercising, making good deals, trying to recognize leverage in situations and time I didn't have them. And that contributed to a lot of the fun. Well, Max... We have so much more to talk about about the national, but I know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste all of our fun content here right now. So I'm gonna let everyone. Oh, there are stories upon stories. Oh, there's stories upon stories, and we have plenty of future guests and future episodes to talk about these stories that we have. Um, I think I love the national. I would say if you is even possible for you to make it out next year in Chicago, it will be an a big blast. And I, you know, live in Chicago. I'm hyped about next year. I'm hyped to host a dinner with some homies and like let, you know, show people around the city afterwards. So I can't be more excited for next year's national. Um, I can't be more excited for cards in general right now. I mean, I was on eBay today searching stuff up. Um, I'm getting reinvigorated. I, I know going into the national, I was a little, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't have too much expectations for Atlantic city or anything about that, but you know, as bad as the venue was and as bad as the city, the, the people make the hobby. And that's why we're here, Max. We are the people. We are people in the hobby. We're, we're, not, not, we're, not, we're not Ken Golden telling you that the Triple Logo Man is the best modern card ever. We're here to tell you about the cool stuff that you can collect. We're here to tell you about why people are the part of the hobby that makes it special. Not your, you know, not the rare cards that are out there as fun as that is, but it's the people, it's talking cards with cool people. Max, I love talking cards with you. I can't believe we finally met in person, and I'm hyped for the future of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm hyped for the future of the hobby. I'm hyped, and I'm tired, but I'm mainly hyped. So that's, that's where I want to end things on, Max. We will translate our hype to lots of stories in the future. I have a lot of pickups, and I want to emphasize the ones that I picked up most at a later time but there's yes. a lot to do and talk about yes i think next week max if you're down just cool cards we've picked up recently just oh. going deep into specific cases specific case studies of one single the future card. is bright with us the future is bright the future is bright next week cards nerding out on rare weird stuff we picked up lately so keep out for that episode coming we'll put it out sunday so this is going to be a quick turnaround we'll put out this episode today on Tuesday, August 2nd, and then we'll put out another episode on Sunday. Um, so stay tuned. Thanks to everyone who listens. 
I saw we got some new followers over the weekend, so I'm excited to see them. And uh, we're going to have, I know I've been saying this since the beginning, but merch is actually coming soon, coming soon. So if you do want Young Old Heads merch, please reach out to me or Max so that I can include you guys in the order. I'm going to make this just like a listener only thing, not going to put it out there too big. So if you do listen to the podcast and you enjoy what we do, reach out to us and we'll, uh, we'll get it going. Uh, and for the future, we're going to start, we're going to, this week, I'm going to try to put up a Young Old Heads Instagram and Young Old Heads Twitter account so we can put out our content on those channels. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, otherwise, make sure to follow me at TV Sports Cards on Twitter, at TV.SportsCards on Instagram, and Max at CardsMax on Twitter and Instagram. Max, you're the man. I love you, dude. And peace out. Peace out.